from Local 12 Sports. It's the Skinny Podcast. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals Training Camp Edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Gary Miller. It's presented by Blake, the attorney, Maislin. Skinny, an honor to be on the Skinny Podcast. And, you know, pretty eventful day for the opening day of training camp. Not much happening because we've seen some other camps already open across the NFL. There may be some injury news here and there, but... Uh, Let's start with the guys who are returning who look like they're ready to play again. Of course, they were cleared to practice, Cheeto Wouzier and Jonah Williams, but and nothing's happening real big time yet, but it's great to see them ready to go. Yeah, and Zach Taylor talked about that in his pre-press conference today, 15 minutes before camp practice started. The guys were kind of chomping at the bit. He talked about mm-hmm. strength and conditioning coach Joey Boise telling him back in, in the springtime that guys were chomping at the bit to get going, and you could tell they really were. Now, this was a light practice, a lot of individual drills, a lot of install, but when we got to 11-on-11s, we had a scuffle three plays into it. Uh, they were going at a pretty good speed. We're not even to full speed yet. We're not to pads yet. I think you can see this team knows the sense of urgency of coming so close the last two years and what a full training camp for Joe Burrow can mean and for these guys to ramp up in the right way to get off to a better start than they got off to certainly last year when they were 0-2. We saw the guys coming off the field off this first uh, four straight days of camp uh, to start with and smiles on their face despite the 90 degree heat that they were in they practiced a little longer than they were expected to the one guy we didn't see was drew chrisman and the it's not only awful that he's in the hospital but the timing isn't very good when he's fighting for his position yeah i mean this is the second time in three years he's been in a camp battle the one year he had a broken hand um and wasn't able to punt in that one as well uh and ended up losing out to kevin huber because he really never had a chance last year he lost out to huber then got the job this year he's in a camp fight they drafted brad robbins for a reason they want him to come in and compete the way it sounds like, he kind of even has the upper hand a little bit on Drew Chrisman. And listen, time's a-wasting, and that's unfortunate because injury or not, now maybe you can eventually stash him back on the practice squad, but from a competition standpoint, if you can't get out there to compete, it's hard to give you a chance. Then coming off whatever it is he's coming off of, we don't know. Zach Taylor wouldn't disclose it, fully understand that. We don't have a timeline on it. Could be tomorrow, could be a week, could be the whole month. Um, but whatever that time frame in, he's losing out on that opportunity in this punt battle. And uh, that's what you wanted this to be, was a battle between those two for the job. What's interesting is special teams coach Darren Simmons has been with his team for decades now. I mean, he's a guy that doesn't mince words, and he's a guy that's very uh, what kind of production results-oriented. So how much do you think this could set him back if it's more than a, a, a few days? A lot if Brad Robbins comes out here and do, does what they expect him to do, which is hang time, directional, if he shows all those things. You know, at the rate this would be going, he would probably get first crack in the Green Bay game, or the, yeah, the Green Bay game, the first preseason opener, and who knows if you know, Drew's slow in coming back, he'd get all those punts. And if he shows something, well, then that literally is a leg up in the competition that's hard to fight back from. You know, Drew knows what he has to do better. He has to directional punt better. He has to have hang time better, things he's tried to work on hard in the springtime, but then to not be able to showcase it when it literally is a head-to-head competition. Hey, I guarantee you, Darren Simmons has tracked every punt, every hold, every situation from back in the spring, was going to do the same thing through this, and made the best man win. I mean, you remember a couple years ago, they drafted Jake Elliott. He showed some really good things in camp, lost out to Randy Bullock because head-to-head, Randy Bullock beat him out to the credit of Darren Simmons. This is a fairness thing. This is him going, I'm charting everything you guys do and may the best man win. If the best man is Brad Robbins because he's the only guy that shows it, well, he's going to win the job. And he still might be the best man when all is said and done, too. So. Right, that's the other part of the equation. You know, we hope for the best for Drew. We hope the, any hospitalization is not anything to take lightly, but hopefully it's not something that would affect his ability to play football once he's able to come back here. Now, you mentioned a little bit at the top of the podcast. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., the new guy, Zeus, he's 
big. Trey Hendrickson is a guy who's supposed to get through those guys. Uh, how shocking was it to you to see that there was already a little bit of a mix-up there? If this was August 15th and it was our sixth straight 95-degree day and guys are tired of beating on each other, right, and we hear that all the time, this was day one of camp. <laughs> Play three of day one of camp. And it was quick. It wasn't, you know, it didn't last very long. You did see a helmet. Nobody's swinging helmets, correct? Right. <laughs> I did see a scratch on Trey Hendrickson. That could have been. And I, sometimes, I mean, again, these guys are going semi-speed, and, and you're, there's not full-fledged. There's no pads on, so right. you got to kind of be careful. But, you know, an occasional scratch where one guy takes it the wrong way, and he doesn't want to feel that. And it is hot, and you're going through it. I'm just not sure I've ever seen three plays into a camper that's taken place. Talking to Orlando in, in the locker room afterwards, I think he it's all said and done. It just it happened. They battled with each other over the years, going head to head with him being in Kansas City. I, I wouldn't make too much of it. If we see these guys do it every day, then maybe there's an issue, or maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Sometimes coaches Sometimes always I think say, it's good. Yeah, coaches always ah, oh, okay, we want to take care of our own. Do you though? Don't you want to see a little bit of this on occasion, and especially when it didn't come to anything and nobody got hurt? You know, it's 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 interesting that because he's the new guy, and uh, when you see stuff like that happen. We brought up what happened with Aaron Donald when they had the joint practice with the Rams. Of course, you don't want to see anything at that level. But Orlando on the left side, when you're looking at, at him switching over, he wants to play. He's left-handed. So he's always wanted to be a left-off, and he figures like that's his natural position. What do you think that adjustment will be like? I don't think for him big. I think the bigger adjustment is what Jonah Williams is going to have to do going to the right side, and, and that to me is going to take some time to see. Uh, I asked Zach and Brian Callahan this at the media luncheon about you know, last year it took the line a long time to gel, understandably. So you had all these new parts. Well, guard to guard, you're the same guy, right? You have the same three guys. Orlando Brown's played left tackle in this league at a Pro Bowl level. So you pretty much know the key is can Jonah handle the right side? I think that's the positive of this. If Jonah shows anything of, hey, the right side is, is going to be just fine, he's going to handle it just fine, this line has a chance to mesh a whole lot quicker. Remember last year, they ripped up the running game really early in the process, two or three games in, because what they were doing with these guys didn't work for their skill set. They had to start all from scratch and, and, and figure out what are these guys' strengths. But I think now they know at least guard to guard what the strengths are. You've got plenty of tape on Orlando Brown in this league. You have own tape on Jonah Williams, different side, but you know right. what Jonah can do. I think you have a chance then to hit the ground even faster, and they got to do that. You can't get off to it. We can argue the, the, the long snapper getting hurt, the Joe Burrow five interceptions. However you slice it, you can't be 0-2 again and try to get the one seed, and I think they're fully cognizant of that fact. There's a good chance that Jonah could be an even better right tackle yes. than the limitations he, some people felt he had as a left tackle. One of the things we asked Zach Taylor today and when he met before practice was how much do first impressions make? Now, it's not just the rookies who've come in here, but he's got Orlando Brown, he's got Irv Smith, he's got these guys. What were your first impressions of some of the free agents they signed? Yeah, we didn't see much of Herb Smith in the past game. Um, in fact, I'm trying to think if there was a tight end that caught a ball during the 11-on-11 sessions. It was a lot of wide receiver shots, if you will. Um, I'll tell you what, the guy on defense that stood out to me was D.J. Turner. I thought he had a really good first day in coverage. Uh, had some really tight coverage on deep ball, on a deep ball, on an out route where he got his hand in and broke up a pass to Kwame Lasseter. Um, he did not go with the ones. Sidney Jones went in place of Cheeto and Rougier with the ones. I'd like to see, and I guarantee you, Luan Rumo will probably rotate that through until Cheeto comes back. Today was not the day for DJ to do that, but I thought, for me, the first impression of him was really a positive one. Chase Brown, again, it's hard because there's no tackling. 
People aren't, you know, going full speed and all those things. But he popped a couple of either traps or inside handoff runs. I thought he popped holes really quickly. Um, those things kind of stand out. You don't know, again, if somebody's in there, they can reach out and make a tackle as opposed to touching you. But I, I thought the impression of him was really, really good to, to see him. Didn't see much of Charlie Jones today. Andre Yoshivas had kind of a very up-and-down day. Had a couple of nice drops, passes, yeah, and he had a couple of drops. Um, of course, Jamar Chase did that as a rookie, too. <laughs> and Jamar Chase had a drop today, too. I don't mean to make anything of this, but he did have a drop today. Um, so kind of first day for some of those guys. But to me, D.J. Turner had a, had a really good first day. One of the things that we talk about with this team is that veteran presence. They lost Bates and Bell, who were huge, not only on the field, but in the locker room, captains on this team. How do you feel like this young core of replacement safeties, they did sign a veteran in Carter, but they do, how, do you, how will they replace that key element on this team? Yeah, that's, that's obviously the $64,000 question, right? I think the good part is, is twofold. A, Dax Hill's a first-round talent. That's why you took him in the first round. I think the fact Nick Scott at least has that one season in, in, in L.A., of starts under his belt coming off a full postseason. Don't forget, he started against the Bengals in the Super Bowl right. the year before. Um, I think that's a positive. I think the thing is, as much as Jordan Battle has been talked about, about maybe being in the mix, I'm going to guess that Luana Ruma is going to want to have Nick Scott and, and Dax still get as many reps together to start building that chemistry. And if Jordan Battle works his way into that as a third safety, so be it. And I think Jordan's got a lot of talent, and I think he'll eventually do that. But I think he wants to do that. I think the other thing is, when Cheeto's in the lineup, you're minus Eli Apple, so you're kind of going tit for tat there. But literally, the nine other guys that will be in the starting Eli's game. out there. Well, good point. He is out there. You're right. Not out there on this field. No, but um, but you, would, you would have nine other guys in the lineup that all were technically starters last year. Cam Taylor, Britt, Cheeto, Mike Hilton, the two linebackers in the front four. That's a pretty good core to put in front of those two safeties on the back end to help with this process of having getting everybody on the page. 9-11 guys know where the page is. Now it's up to the two on the back end. And I do think, like I said, It'll be sooner rather than later, in my opinion, that those guys are ready to play. Get hard to sell today. I think the only time you can be able to see it, honestly, is when you get to week one or maybe when we get to that joint practice with the Packers when you get some more one-on-one -on -one reps to see where they're at. And obviously they have some camp under their belt. And I'll really be honest, honestly looking forward to talking to Lou at that point to see where he gauges where their communication um, set is with each other and with the rest of the defense because it's a work in progress. You know, you may wonder why we waited this long, but Joe Burrow refuses to say anything. Because we're still waiting this right. long. Right. Yeah, and, he, you know, and, both, and Mike Brown was the same way when he met with the media for his once-a-year thing on Monday. Uh, but obvious, do you, don't you think that the Justin Herbert contract takes us at least closer to a decision on Joe Burrow? I do, because um, it's set the bar. I mean, it's been this guy sets the bar, Jalen Hurts sets the bar, and now we'll go back to Lamar setting the bar. Now Herbert sets the bar. Now you can see that the next bar level will be Joe Burrow, whatever that may be. I still think, I think he wants to work the wide receivers into the mix. I think they want to work the wide receivers into the mix. And trying to structure that, I think, is the sticking point. I'm going to guarantee you it's probably not the overall money of how this is structured at the moment or even the length of time. It's probably how the guarantees will fit in to make sure you can fit everybody. But this length would allow them to yeah. sign those because yeah. Higgins is in his final year and Chase is up I, next year. Yeah, but I don't think it will all, all be signing bonus money. I think it will be some guaranteed money in other years of how they structure that. I think it's more structure, and I think that's a little more complicated than what even we think it's going to be. It always sounds like just pay the man his money. He's worth X. He is. They know it. He knows it. Everybody knows it. But, again, he wants to work these guys into the mix, and so it's not quite as easy as just go pay him and then, oh, what do we have left over for T and Jamar? Well, you want to make sure you have it left over where you can slot it. I, I think it'll be the end of this week, and we have an answer to this question. 
I, yeah, it would have been great to have it going into camp because Zach doesn't want to answer those questions. Obviously, Joe admitted today that, you know, hey, you guys know as well as anyone, I'm not big on the media. I like right. to keep things kind of close to the vest and private. In your opinion, how important is being the highest paid or having the most guaranteed money to Joe? I don't think he's an ego guy, but listen, man, if you think you're the best quarterback in the league outside Pat Mahomes, who's had his deal done for a couple of years, you're going to want to get paid more. You just are. It's just, it, it, I get it. Right. I, I, I do, too. Now, what do you, now, of the position battles, and of course, we'll have these for you every day, but which ones stand out to you the most? I think the four and five receiver to me. And who replaces Samaji P. Ryan? Yeah, I, I think that's the big part. Who's the third down back? And we're not going to see that till you get some live pass rush stuff in. We'll see that next week when you get the pads. And who's picking up blitzes? Who's doing a good job blocking? Um, I, I think those are the important parts, too. And obviously when you get to preseason games, so that's one. And then I'm interested to see when they get to their core third down pass rush group, who's out there on the field? How is it the mix and match? Does Miles Murphy play inside? Does he play outside? Where is Sam Hubbard? Is he inside or outside? Where's Joseph Osai? Is he inside or outside? That's going to be fascinating to me, see what Lou Anarumo does with that pass rush group. Those are answers to come. We hope we got a little appetite taste for you and whetted it for you and got you interested because these kind of stories are coming every day on the Skinny Podcast. For Gary Miller, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Training Camp Edition, presented by Blake, the Attorney Maislin.